0: flyweight champion
2: of the world.
1: This is Fast Eddie Chambers and you're listening
2: to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man Joey Coastman. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 374 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host Joey Coastman. I'm joined as ever by former heavyweight world title challenger Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how are you doing this week, my man? I'm
1: doing good, my man. How about you?
2: Always good when speaking with you, Eddie. Let's dive straight into the review part of the show. We're going to start here. Last Friday, December 9th at the Payne Arena in Hidalgo, Texas, USA. Over here, friend of the show, former world champion Austin Trout. Now 36-5 with a draw. A unanimous decision for him over eight rounds against Jose Charles, who's now 20-3 with a draw. That one was for the Texas Combative Sports Program USA Texas State Super Welterweight Title, <laughs> so all the be- all the best there to Austin Trout. Um, moving out now to the SSC Arena, the the Odyssey Arena in Belfast, Northern Ireland, United Kingdom. This one over here, I think it was on Fight TV. I didn't watch it. But I did see the the main event. I'm going to touch on the undercard just briefly. Padraig McCrory now 16 and hour points win for him over eight rounds against Dimitro, F- uh, Dimitro Fadas, who's now eight and one with a draw. Oh, sorry, eight and one with two draws. He loses his O. Uh, Sean McComb with a win against the 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 unknown quantity really. Zolt Ozadan, who had a nice undefeated record, 23-0 with a draw, he lost absolutely every round to Sean McComb, who's now 15-1, that one was for the vacant WBO European Super Lightweight title, and the main event, Michael Conlon, now 18-1, a TKO in the very first round against Karim Gwerthy, who's now 31-7, Gwerthy down, um, yeah, down prior to the stoppage, um, Body shots are what got to him again. We saw it happen against um, against Lee McGregor. And to be honest, I think Michael Conlan probably saw that fight and said, I'm going to do the same. Um, I was very shocked because Conlan, I don't think, is a big puncher, really. And I expected the fight to go into the second half. And I even thought that there's a chance Michael Conlan wouldn't get him out of there and would win on points. But to get him out in just one round was quite impressive. He hurt him to the body. And then while he was on the ropes kind of tucking up, um, Conlan just unleashed a barrage of about 50 punches. And it was like just boom, 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 boom. I don't think any of the punches were particularly heavy, but the referee... Stopped it because nothing was coming back from Gwerfee, who who actually did go down. I'm I'm kind of forgetting. I think he went down, got back up, and was a bit wobbly or whatever. And then I think it was Steve Gray, the referee, waved it off. Um anyway, that was it for that one. Quite impressive, I guess, from Conlan there, really. Um, yeah, I mean I want to see him stepped up again. But yeah, that was a good win. Moving out now to the first direct arena in Leeds, Yorkshire United Kingdom. This one, of course, was live on the zone and Eddie Hearn's show um let's start with the undercard over here um a win for Hopi Price now 9-0 a lot of people felt he would get the stoppage but it wasn't to be he did have Jonathan Santana down in round three but Santana I think from Spain got up and lasted the distance now 9-4 and with a draw Hopi Price like I say 9-0 uh Shannon Courtney returned with a with a win it was always you know what I expected a points win against the very tough Gemma Rueg who I've been calling Gemma Rueg for ages but it's actually Gemma Rueg Um, never been stopped now five and six so a very predictable points win there for Shannon Courtney now eight and two former former world champion over 8 rounds, like I say, we had Felix Cash pick up a win um, quite a lacklustre performance really from him um, he was cut quite bad as well, above his eye um, he's now 16-0 and A points win over eight rounds against Celso Neves, who's now nine and two with two draws. I bet on Felix Cash to win on points. I think he's about five to one or something like that. Because, you know, Felix Cash, sometimes if he's bang up for a fight, he looks unbelievable. But if he's not bang up for it, he can look quite awful. And that's no disrespect to him. Obviously, I want to see him do well. He's a British fighter and the rest of it. And he's got that great win over Denzel Bentley, which kind of tells you like he is is something special. But... Very lackluster against Celso Neves, and um, you know he had he had um, Austin Amo Williams sat ringside doing commentary for the fight. I actually felt that his commentary was really quite fair and very respectful as well, Amo Williams. And obviously they had a little a little um, situation after the fight. They they did a joint interview. It ended up with Felix Cash getting in his face and shoving him. I felt it was a bit a bit sad really because. Um, you know, I don't mind a bit of beef and the rest of it, but he'd been quite complimentary to Felix Cash despite having an opportunity, really, to really go in on his bad performance. But he didn't. He was quite respectful, I felt, and and um, yeah, for Felix Cash to get in his face and shove him was a little bit distasteful after after the good performance he'd done on the comms and how respectful he was being, but I guess Cash didn't hear all of what he'd said. Um, so, yeah, it was um, a bit lackluster, really, from Felix Cash. And he needs to be, needs to be better than that if he's going to fight um, Ammo Williams next. Because, yeah, if he performs like that, he'll lose. Um, elsewhere on the card, James Metcalf, now 24-2. and It was for the WBA Continental Super Worldweight title. He was able to beat Courtney Pennington of the United States, now 16-6 and with three draws. It was such a one-way uh, traffic type of fight. Um... Metcalf, who's not really a big puncher or anything, um, I don't think he's a big puncher, but yeah, he he totally just beat Pennington up, and I'm not sure what was going on with Pennington. He seemed to not know what was going on. His, his corner didn't know what was going on. They were all confused. He just did not seem right, and I mean, like, it was as if they'd... I don't know, misjudged the altitude or something, which I don't think would have been a problem whatsoever. But he just didn't look right. He looked really, really flat. And James Metcalf ends up getting a stoppage. Um, Pennington retired in the corner after round six. Didn't come out for round seven. I expected Metcalf to probably win on points. But um, yeah, completely, completely Completely too good for Pennington. Um, Ebony Bridges with a win now 9-1. A TKO for her in the 8th round of a 10 two-minute round contest. She defends successfully her IBF Bantamweight World title. O'Connell down twice in the 3rd round. It was a good fight, to be honest, while it lasted. When I say good fight, I don't mean high IQ, skill level, that type of stuff. I mean it was quite entertaining. It was handbags. Um, Shannon O'Connell now 23-7 and with a draw. Um... Yeah, you know, I was looking at the ages of both ladies and we think like, you know, Shannon O'Connell is, you know, really old and coming to the end of her career. But it reminded me that Ebony Bridges is like mid-30s, man. And, you know, we don't remember that all the time. So she's quite old as well, to be honest, even though I don't think she's got the miles on the clock that obviously O'Connell had. But um, people thought it was going to be a really close fight. I felt Bridges would probably win on points and um, she got the stoppage. So credit to her. Obviously, I'm not her biggest fan at all. She's got me blocked on Twitter, and I think she's probably the only boxer who has blocked me. So, um, yeah, she's not in my in my uh, good books, and I'm clearly not in hers, but all the best to her. Um, yeah. What was you going to say, Eddie? <laughs> I got
1: to ask the question. I got to ask why. <laughs> I got to ask well, why, Well, This
2: is a popular question. A few people have asked me this this week. And what basically I think it is is one time when she fought in the UK against Shannon Courtney um, for a world title, she had a huge black eye and she carried on fighting with that black eye against Shannon Courtney. Obviously, it was a 10 two minute round contest against Shannon Courtney, who's a bantamweight female. And she decided to compare that to Billy Joe Saunders not carrying on against Canelo Alvarez when he had fractured his eye socket. And she was comparing herself to Billy Joe as if to say kind of like, well, I've shown that I've got loads of heart, like like as if I've got more heart than Billy Joe kind of thing. And I was just pointing out merely that you can't really compare Shannon Courtney, a bantamweight female uh, fighter, you know to canelo alvarez pound for pound king who's obviously a super uh, super middleweight that was all <laughs> yeah yeah
1: yeah i so, get you yeah i get you now i just wanted to know why that's yeah, all
2: <laughs> i think it was over that but anyway that that is that we're going to leave it in the past and the main event josh warrington now 31 and 2 with a draw he loses for the second time he loses his ibf world featherweight title uh, Luis Alberto Lopez in the other corner. The Mexican now 27-2. and two. Uh, Lopez was cut as well from an accidental head clash in round two. I'm going to run through what I saw. Um, round one, I should mention Warrington. Uh, his nose started to bleed in that round. I think it was an accidental headbutt from Lopez. But I felt Warrington was boxing well. Um, and I gave him that first round. And by the way, I didn't strictly score this round by round as such. But... Um, I, I I scored a couple of the rounds. Round two, I felt was a good round for Warrington. He was beginning to measure Lopez. Lopez, for me, was like a little bit of a cheap Prince Nassim Hamed. You know, he was throwing shots from odd angles. He was so, uh, super unorthodox. Um, but again, I felt that Warrington was, was, was winning the rounds, was getting the better of the action, was, you know, having success with cleaner work. Round three. Again I gave to Warrington, but I thought the speed and the natural heavy handedness of Lopez was was a bit of an issue. It was becoming a bit of an issue for Warrington in that third round. Lopez as well was completely unfazed by anything that Warrington did. Round four, again I gave to Warrington, but it was it was a closer round. It was it was um I, I just kinda gave Warrington the round because again I felt it was a little bit cleaner than than um than Lopez, a little bit uh what's the word, Uh, tidier from from Warrington. But then I wasn't scoring it from the fourth round onwards, but I felt that Warrington had had a really good start to the fight. So when I saw, I think it was Tony Bellew's scorecard, I was quite surprised that he'd seen it the complete other way. Um, In the end... I thought if it's close, Warrington's probably going to get it, it's in Leeds, there's a massive crowd here to see him, you know, it didn't really make sense for the Mexican to win, but obviously the Mexican did win, and it was a majority decision, but I actually felt, you know, that Josh Warrington deserved to, to actually win the fight fair and square, and I thought, again, if it's going to be close, they're going to give it to him, but no, it was close, and they gave it to the Mexican. so I don't know really what to say, like I say, I only scored a few of the rounds, but I felt, you know Warrington started well and ended well as well. I think we all unanimously agreed that he really um, ended the fight very well. He won a bunch of the late rounds. Obviously Lopez I think as well got hurt a couple times, but Lopez did the majority of his good work in the mid rounds. So I was very surprised in the end to see them give it to Lopez, but they did and he wins and I wouldn't mind seeing a rematch. I don't think Warrington is completely done. I did have a sneaky suspicion that he might get stopped, and I had a little bet on him to get stopped, and I also had a little bet on Warrington to win on points, but of course neither happened, so it wasn't a great weekend for my betting on boxing, but yeah, um, I'd like to, s- to see a rematch maybe, I think he's already spoke about the Lee Wood fight, that'd be a good fight for Warrington, but all in all, I felt he won, but like I say, no problem with, with um, people that think he didn't win, obviously the judges didn't agree with what I saw, um, moving out now to the CHI Health Center in Omaha, Nebraska, USA. Over here Terence Crawford successfully moved to 39 and 0, a his WBO welterweight world title, a sixth round KO against da- uh, against David Avenicia, now 29 and 4 with a draw. Another absolute gut punch for me because I had put a bet down for Terence Crawford to win by knockout in round 7 to 12 and of course he gets him out in the final minute of round 6. <sighs> um yeah, I was, I was maybe expecting a slightly faster start from Avenesian. I thought he might just go balls to the wall and try and, you know, really put it on Crawford and, and make Crawford respect him. But actually, he fought quite composed through the first few rounds and he picked his shots wisely. And there was a shout that maybe he'd even won a bunch of rounds. Avenesian was firmly on the front foot. And Crawford again boxing off the back foot, you know, popping out the jab here and there, looking very relaxed. You know, I've got to say, I don't think Terence Crawford has ever really looked under massive pressure or looked uncomfortable in a fight. He he's 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 probably one of the most relaxed fighters I've ever seen. Either that, or he's just got a really good, uh, really good poker face. But um, yeah, you know, I felt that Avenissian was having some success. Um. Once again, I don't think Crawford ever really looked phased by anything, but I felt that you know Avenesian was was fighting with good with, with with a good game plan, doubling up the straight right hand as well. Um, boxing, boxing, good when he was up close. When it was at distance, it was very much Terence Crawford controlling things with his jab, you know. But once he'd got you know, up close, I think Avenesian was having a lot of success. Um, there were moments as well where Crawford would go on the front foot, and when he went on the front foot, he looked phenomenal. He really did, and he was doing it in the last minute of a few of the rounds. I think he did it in round four, did it in round five. He started to come on the front foot in in like the last minute of the round, and they were taxing those 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 final sixty seconds. They were really taxing of Avenesian. Um, and yeah, when he was doing it as well, Crawford coming on that front foot, he was he was um, targeting the body of Avenissian with almost punch perfect precision. Like you literally couldn't place the shot better if you, you know, if you could move Avenissian's hands out the way. They were they were brilliantly placed, such great accuracy. And then of course round six. Um yeah there was 1 minute left of round 6 like i say Crawford landed that left uppercut followed by the right hook that dropped and stopped Avenician a huge knockout for Crawford um no need for the count he was just flat out on his back David Avenician i was gutted for him um yeah what a sickener really cuz he did fight quite well up until that point but obviously Crawford was always going to take over whenever he wanted to cuz you know, he's a much better fighter than Avanissian, we all knew that, but it was it was impressive from Crawford, he was in full control really throughout, um, what else can I say, I mean, Avanissian, friend of the show, his manager Neil Marsh, good friend of mine, um, gutted for the team, because, you know, they've had quite bad luck really, in, in the last few weeks or whatever, but um yeah I mean happy that and obviously went out there got a nice big payday hopefully he's got a few more opportunities to come nice guy, really good cool guy. David Avanisian. um But yeah, hopefully rests up, enjoys Christmas and come, comes back in 2023. I think he's still got some big nights ahead. Moving out now to the Madison Square Garden um, in New York, New York, USA. Over here, it was live on ESPN. Let's talk about the undercard. Xander Zayas, now 15-0, a unanimous decision over eight rounds against Alexis Flores, who's now 25-5. That one for the WBO, NABO, Super welterweight Weight title. I think Zayas, something like Four or three to one to, to win on points. I back that as well. Um, Keyshawn Davis with a win. Now 7-0. and oh. um, He tried his best to get Juan Carlos Borgos out of there. Of course, Borgos never been stopped. At, at points in the fight, it looked like it could come. Um, obviously, it was only an eight-rounder. I think Keyshawn probably would have loved it if it was a ten-rounder because it was maybe going to come in, in, in the late parts of the fight. But... Um, all in all, a brilliant performance from Keyshawn Davis. Didn't lose a second of any of the rounds. It was for the vacant WBO Intercontinental Lightweight title. And I think that Keyshawn boxed to perfection. He, he really is a real talent. And there's something about him. He, he, he He's got something about him. I think... I think he's got that kind of X factor. You can just kind of see there's something special about this guy. And they've been ranting and raving. And I just really like his attitude as well. You know, he's got this kind of no-nonsense style. He's like, I want the big fights. I want the big fights. And I'd love to see him, you know, pushed into those big fights if he really feels he's ready. He's only had the seven fights. But so impressive. And, you know... I think there's only a handful of guys really at lightweight that I maybe wouldn't put him in with in his very next fight. I think he's that good. I rate him that highly. But there's a lot of big names at Lightweight, and hopefully we see him in with one of those bigger names in 2023. Um, yeah, fantastic win for him. Always good to see him fight. Talking of guys, it's always good to see him fight. Jared Anderson, now 13-0. A TKO for him in just the second round against Jerry Forrest, now 25, or sorry, 26-6 with two draws. Um, it was for the vacant WBO international heavyweight title. I expected the fight to certainly go in the second half. Uh, Jerry Forrest had only been stopped one time in his five losses and that was, I think, nine years prior to Gerald Washington. Um, Since then, you know, he'd gone the distance with Michael Hunter, he'd gone the distance with Kubrat Pulev, he's gone the distance with Zili Zhang. You know, he, he's a tough, durable heavyweight, generally, and I expected Anderson to be really tested, even though Anderson has knocked out all but one opponent. I thought it would be a real test. On paper, it was probably the biggest challenge of his career. Um... I know he likes to get people out in the first or second round, but I didn't think he'd be able to do that to Forrest. But he absolutely pushed for a first round knockout even. He came out all guns blazing. Forrest landed a couple of really nice counters off the ropes actually, but Anderson just pummeled him and almost got him out of there in the first round. And I was hoping that maybe he punched himself out or something because I'd backed a stoppage I think late in the fight, I think in the second half of the fight. But obviously he came out and got him out of there in two rounds. It was so impressive from Jared Anderson, friend of the show, now 13-0 with 12 KOs. He looks like a, a real legit threat to the heavyweight crown. Um, soon enough, and the main event, Teofimo Lopez, now 17, sorry, 18 and 1, it was for the WBO International Super Lightweight title, Teofimo Lopez down in round 2, he beats by split decision over 10 rounds, Spain's Sandor Martin, now 40 and 3, Um, okay, again, this one I kind of partially scored, first round there was a head clash, um, it caused the cut on the bridge of Sandor Martin's nose, but I gave the round to Lopez. Round two, there was a knockdown for Sandor Martin, who, by the way, I will say was about an 8-1 to one underdog if you backed him to win on points, which I did. Um, get back to that in a second, of course, but yeah, knockdown for Martin in the second round. It was pretty much Tiafimo just lunging in. He basically jumped in so fast that I think he stumbled forward kind of thing like he fell over his front foot and a well-timed punch from martin did connect and it put him down i don't think it was like a, a you know it, it, it's got to be counted as a knockdown because a punch landed but i think it was more of a balance issue but like i say because a punch landed you do have to give it so a 10-8 round there for martin um round three i felt that tifemo tried to amp things up he was fully on the front foot he was trying to force the action martin of course was back was boxing off the back foot Um, I didn't think it would be doing him any favours on the scorecards, and I think that probably is how it turned out. Um, I think round three was probably a Lopez round, so on my card, it was all square after three rounds. Round four, that was when, unfortunately, the Terence Crawford fight started, so it was kind of at this point where I'm starting to lose track and I'm not really scoring things properly. But yeah, from that point onwards, it, it was hard to give it my best attention, And that was the same for both main events because they were clashing and stuff. But from what I did see, I thought Martin looked like he had a good round in the fourth round and the fifth round. I think Lopez had a good sixth round. Um, Round seven, obviously, I've got to mention it as well. Fima was down again, but this time they ruled it a slip. I think he got clocked in the back of the head. In all honesty, and the commentary team said, "Oh no, it should have been a legitimate knockdown." So maybe Lopez got away with that one in round seven. But all in all, I stopped scoring it or taking notes right then and there. Um, but I just generally felt that Sandor Martin won the fight. Obviously, afterwards, Lopez was saying to Martin that you ran all night. I don't think that was the case. Of course, it wasn't. He said the same thing I think to Cambosos when he had, you know, when when, he, when his face didn't even look like it. Bel- Belong to him. He was beaten so badly, and he said that Cambosos, I'm sure, was running or whatever. Um, So yeah, we've seen it before from Teofimo Lopez. He's been on this podcast before. I'm a huge Teofimo Lopez fan, but since he's moved up to 140, it doesn't seem like it suits him. Um, You know, he's not he's he's not seeming to look like that puncher that he once was, where he was just bouncing people's heads off the canvas. Sando Martin, like I say, I always thought would go the distance. That that was my pick. I thought it was going to go the distance. I felt that Lopez could end up getting it if it was close. Like I say, I didn't score it strictly, but I felt Martin did enough. And, of course, one judge agreed, but the other two judges gave it to Lopez. There was one card in there as well that was awful. I think it was like... 117, 111, something mad like that. Uh, it might have even been wider. I can't really remember. But, yeah, I felt it was a really, really close fight. It could have gone either way. But if I had to give it to someone, in my very um, worthless opinion, I would say it, it would have probably been Sandor Martin that got it. Eddie, I know you saw the fight. What's your input, man?
1: Yeah, yeah, I can't disagree totally. I mean, it was you could flip a coin, I guess, and pick who the winner was to a degree. But I do think that Sandro Martin controlled the pace a little better, a little more. You can see a female toward the middle rounds trying to, like, push the pace. You know what I mean? Trying to get it to his pace and get to where it's kind of like a firefight. But Martin stayed to his guns he stuck to his guns and kept boxing. My only gripe with Martin and the way he fought was I think he moved a little too much and didn't take advantage of a lot of, of all of the opportunities or more of the opportunities that he had that were available to catch Lopez coming in, although he did catch him coming in a lot. Um, he still could have done a little bit more. And there was even points where he kind of stood and kind of traded a little with him, and not necessarily traded, but landed some good combinations and then got out. So, I mean, I think, you know, with the exception of the, I think in the last couple of rounds, he tried to pick it up a little bit more, but, um, you know, but it still kind of favored uh, Martin, uh his pace. And I think at the end of the day, um, it wasn't the worst decision I've ever seen. I can't complain about the decision being completely horrible, but um, it, I think the, well, the one car was bad. And given given him that many rounds, you know, I think it was like what nine to three or or, or something like that to, to to Lopez or whatever the scorecard was. Wait, what? It was a ten rounder. I'm sorry, wasn't it a ten rounder?
2: Yeah, it was a ten rounder. Wasn't yeah, it
1: was not it? Yeah. R- so it was, yeah, so it was like what? Well, I forget. It was like he gave. It was a. It was like nine to two. Really. I mean, not ninety-two. Let me that's just confirm. Like me just seven, to, seven to three, I think it was.
2: No, it was. Yeah, ninety-seven, ninety-two. Two, right?
1: Yeah, that's what I did. Ninety-seven, ninety-two. As to what I remember, it was something like that. Something like that. Yeah. So it was kind of like, how could you give him that many rounds? Regardless, it's just not. It's it just. It just. I don't think he. I don't think he had control enough to give him that many rounds. Even it wasn't even. I don't think there was even enough close rounds. You know what I mean? I mean, I guess you can say there was, but to give him that many rounds over Martín, it just, it just wasn't right. So um, all in all, it was a good fight. I think an uh, interesting fight. I mean, it wasn't, you know, he tried to push the pace, but at the end of the day, like I said, Martín stuck to his guns. The game plan worked to, you know, not only to perfection, but it worked to the level that he would be happy with where he can win at least win the decision, but it didn't go his way. It was too close. Obviously, it was, uh, uh, you know, the the bigger star in the fight was obviously uh, Tiafimo and sometimes that's the way the ball bounces unfortunately that's the way boxing goes sometimes
2: yeah unfortunately you're right that is how it goes sometimes and just to re- just to reiterate that judge was uh, Pasquale Procopio 97 97- 92, which in a 10 round fight means that he gave Sandor Martin obviously the knockdown round and one other round out of the other nine rounds, which is, is mad. Like, that's crazy. Like, 10 8 in one of the rounds and then gives Sandor Martin one round of the other nine. That's, that's incredible. That's incredible, man. I want to just click on that guy just to see how experienced he is. He's an Italian judge, he's been judging for. He's been, he's been judging for 24 years. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, that was awful. That's one of the worst scorecards. When you factor that in, um, how can you give Martin just one round in those other nine rounds? That's mad. Anyway, um, yeah. Like I say, big fan of Lopez. Um, he was... I don't know if you saw this bit, Eddie, and we're not going to get into it, but, you know, he, he was, they had the camera on him for a long time afterwards as well when he was in the ring, a long, long time, to the point where they heard him actually, um, ask his corner, you know, after the fight finished, he said, have I still got it? Have I still got it? A, a lot of people were talking about that online, maybe the, the cameras shouldn't have picked that up or shouldn't have still been recording with sound anyway, um, He's come out and pretty much said that he just it was just, I don't know, it wasn't a serious question. He's come and deflected it. But anyways, he doesn't look the same fighter, but I hope he can get back to his best. Because at his best, he was a real force to be reckoned with. And the final fight to mention of the review part took place at the Caribe Royale Orlando in Orlando, Florida. Over here, Sergio Martinez with a win. A second round TKO for him. He's now fifty six and three with two draws. He was able to beat Noah Kid, who's now his record six and seven with two draws. Yeah, but that oh no no, there's one more fight to mention. I should mention. Sorry, um, this one took place earlier this week, Tuesday, December thirteenth, at the Ariake Arena in Tokyo, Japan. Over here, Naoya Inoue still undefeated, but the new undisputed. Bantamweight world champion. He obviously holds all the four major titles. He dethroned Paul Butler of the one title Paul Butler had. Friend of the show, Paul Butler. Um, he's now 34 and 3. Um, ua won every round. Most people expected the fight to be over and done with in one or two rounds, maybe three or four, but it wouldn't even go into the second half of the fight. I think Paul Butler did incredible, even if you want to disrespect the way he fought, saying that he should have done more. He fought to survive, all the rest of those things that people have come out and said. He somehow made it to round 11. He almost went the distance with the monster, but he did get him out in the end with a, a, a real brutal body shot. Um, yeah, Paul Butler, round 11, he was stopped in by a Naoya yeah, Like I say, Inoue now, 24-0. He's got all the belts at bantamweight. We want to hopefully see that Stephen Fulton fight, but that's one for next year. But anyway, that brings the review part of the show to a close. The final thing for me to do is to welcome this week's special guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the WBA Intercontinental Super Lightweight Champion. It is, of course... Mr. Kenny Sims Jr. Kenny, welcome to the show, my man.
0: How you doing? How you doing? Thanks for having me.
2: Hey, it's my pleasure, my friend. I'm doing very well. So, Kenny, it's the first time you've been on this show. Uh, so, welcome once again. Uh, your father, I understand, was the person that got you into boxing as a kid. Tell me briefly what that was like to have your father push you into a sport that I understand you didn't have an initial passion for.
0: <laughs> yeah, um, I didn't it was it was less than not having the passion. I I hated it. Um he uh I used to be small when I was a kid. So he came up to my school one day and he seen like how much bigger some of the other kids were to me. So he just was like, uh, you're gonna learn to box to defend yourself. I never got bullied or nothing, but he was just he just wanted to make sure it never happened. And he said you could quit once you get good or learn how to do it. But the thing that I guess kind of made me want to keep doing it is I'm competitive and I got a trophy for the first fight. So I just kept doing it. And then once I got good, of course, I didn't want to (laughs) quit.
2: Do you know what? The uh, the co-host of this podcast is not with me at the moment, but I co-host this podcast with former heavyweight world title challenger, Eddie Chambers, who of course fought Klitschko for the heavyweight world title. And he's got a very similar story. He was pushed into boxing by his father and he actually wanted to get in there and lose when he when he got to the competing level because he wanted to lose to not oh. have to do it again but he ended up of course being <laughs> a very successful pro. Um <laughs> moving on in the amateurs you mixed it with the best of them really namely Jose Ramirez um obviously he narrowly got the verdict over you in the amateurs and he's gone on to be a real successful pro one of the best in in the division. Do you take any inspiration from that at all Kenny?
0: Um Yeah, I do. Actually, I do. I take uh, because I've been in there with a lot of top guys, but I I take inspiration from that just because I know that I'm on that level. I know the amateurs is the same, but I've improved a lot since then, just like obviously he has. So I take that as I know I can compete with the top guys in the world that my weight class.
2: And obviously, you turned pro back in twenty fourteen. Um, you've you've only had the twenty one fights. Your record eighteen and two with that one draw. But the two losses, I mean, they were close losses. When you look deeper, obviously, one was a majority decision loss to Rolando Chinea, and the unanimous loss to Sam Taylor. Um, if you'd have won one more round in that fight, it would have been a draw, of course. So they were they were close ones, man.
0: Uh, yeah, they were. I uh. I appreciate those losses. I don't even take it as a loss. I take it as me learning stuff about myself because I think if I hadn't lost those fights, I wouldn't have made the changes necessary to get me to the point I'm at now.
2: Yeah, and I want to get into those changes in just a second. I did just want to touch on, obviously, you had that draw with Montana Love. Uh, Montana has really Mm -hmm. kind of burst onto the scene recently since joining Eddie Hearn. Um, Yeah, tell me about that fight. Montana, obviously, a good fighter.
0: Yeah, I've known Montana. We fought in the amateurs, too, when we were younger. Uh, I've known Montana for a long time. Uh, I thought I won that fight. I thought uh, that... I was coming off a layoff and coming off a surgery. So I wasn't like completely 100% uh, sharp for that fight, but I still thought I won I thought it pretty clearly.
2: Yeah. No, fair enough. Obviously, it was close. Um, like I say, he's, he's become a pretty big name. He's been showing off his boxing skills. And if you saw his last fight, he's been showing off his wrestling skills as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's fair to say... Um, Kenny though that you did go through a bit of a rough patch from mid 2017 to late 2018 obviously yeah the the two losses and the draw but since then as you mentioned you've 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 had a few changes you're now uh, training under Kay Karoma a highly regarded trainer within boxing circles and we're now starting to see results of course let's talk about that big one though the upset win over Elvis Rodriguez you took his O Uh, not only were you expected to lose you were Probably expected to lose by knockout because of this guy's punching power. Took me through it. It was a brilliant win for you.
0: Uh yeah, leading up they had offered me that fight a few times, but they kept trying to get me to do it on like a two weeks notice or a three weeks notice, so I would turn it down. And then they called me with a then time for a full camp, and I immediately said yeah, because I had I have I had been watching them. I had seen them. So I've seen things that just, like, that we can exploit. Even, uh, me and Kay, we talked about it beforehand, and we watched it together, and we thought we both were seeing the same things at the same time. So preparing for that fight, I was 100% focused on that just because I had that rough spot, and I knew what that fight could do to me just because people were, like, so high on him. And I knew that I could, if I win that fight, I knew I can get people back being high on me. So I knew that fight was super important to me.
2: Yeah, no, for sure. And obviously it was on, you know, a big card, obviously. The the undercard of Taylor and, and Ramirez. <clears throat> excuse me, Ramirez. Um, and I just want to say as well, Kenny, I mean, I've had hundreds of fighters on this show in the past. And I, I, I kind of mentioned to a lot of them about their losses as well and I feel like we we all kind of agree that you know an a, an early loss can make you or break you um obviously yeah. you you got the two losses but cuz they were in quick succession it does appear though that you have come out the other end a much improved fighter is that fair to say
0: definitely yeah for sure i don't even think my style or anything is the same i know my confidence is completely different since then i think That's why I said that I don't. um, I'm not like I hate to lose, but I'm not mad about those because I think they help me.
2: Exactly, exactly. It just it's a reminder how how mental of a sport boxing is over physical. Um, Since since the. uh the the win obviously that the upset win over rodriguez you've picked up a further two wins and this weekend you go again back to work at the cosmopolitan in las vegas on the rivera martin undercard you'll be boxing rock Murphy. um tell me what you know about your opponent here kenny um i don't really
0: know too much uh this is like the seventh opponent i've had for this fight honestly um I don't really know too much about him. I've seen some footage. Uh, he's okay. He's a he's a he's an okay fighter. He's pretty uh, everything. It seems pretty basic to me. I just want to take advantage of that and just use what my skills are. Okay. okay. But I don't really know too much because I haven't really had time to uh, to try to learn too much because I just got him. They just sent me him yesterday.
2: Ah, okay, got it, got it. I know he mixed it with some decent fighters in the amateurs. I think he got in there with uh, the likes of Richardson, Hitchens, Rolando, Romero, a few yeah, others. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, okay, cool. All right. That's, uh, yeah, there's not too much. I know about the guy as well. Obviously, I know he's coming off that layoff, and obviously his last fight was a loss. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, other than that... That's a Kevin. My, my knowledge is a bit limited on him. Um, right, okay. I want to ask you this as well.
0: Yeah, so you probably know about as much as me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> there we go. Not too much. Um, there's a thing I do on this show every year, every year, Kenny, and it's that anybody I interview during the month of December, I have to ask them, what's on their Christmas wish list in terms of their boxing career? So my question, Kenny, would be, what would be on your Christmas wish list in a realistic world? What do you want 2023 to bring your career
0: uh, I want 2023 my wish list is to win the WEA World Title. So a fight with Alberto Boyle. That's my Christmas wish list.
2: I was gonna say, obviously the new champion since uh, Taylor vacated. Have you have you had a good look at him?
0: Oh yeah, I had a great look at him. I've sparred him a couple times.
2: Oh wow. Okay. Okay. And they
0: offered me that fight already, and they they fell through. So that's why that's on my list number one on my list.
2: Wow, okay. And, and bringing me on to sparring, it makes me want to ask now, who have you sparred over the years, Kenny? What big names have you mixed it with?
0: Um. Okay, I'll start. It's uh, Pacquiao, May Pacquiao, wow. Jorge Linares, wow. Terrence Crawford, Andre Berto, uh, Shakur Stevenson, Devin Haney, Miguel Bertolt, uh, Jerry, so it's a lot it's it's more too i know it's more i just can't think of it right now
2: that's an incredible list i was expecting to hear muhammad ali at the end of that as well (laughs) robert easter (laughs) oh wow wow that's that's an incredible list man that's that's crazy a lot of um a lot of julie's fighters as well that's that's really cool um i want to ask you this question as well because it's the first time you've ever been on and i've got to ask this question to everyone that i speak to from overseas Putting you on the spot massively here. Favorite UK fighter, Kenny. It doesn't have to be still active. It can be a guy that's retired years ago if you want. But mm. who springs to mind? You've been on a Josh Taylor undercard. Will it be Josh Taylor?
0: I'm trying to think. Nah, it's not Josh Taylor. <laughs> uh, it might be. It might be Tyson Fury.
2: Okay. Popular answer.
0: Yeah, I'm just let me think one second let me think let me think yeah it's probably Tyson
2: Fury there we go we hear it a lot it's a good answer very exciting fighter in and out in and out of the ring and just finally Kenny before we let you go it's been a real blast if you've got any closing words just to the listeners if you want to sign out by saying anything uh take it away my friend the floor is yours and of course you've got to drop your social media handles as well
0: okay yeah thank you I appreciate it uh I just want everybody to support me and uh, I want them to know they're going to be seeing a lot of me because I think I'm the best in the 140 pound division and I just need a chance to show it. And uh, my fight should be streaming on the Showtime's YouTube channel. So everybody just tune in and be ready for a great show.
2: And your social media handles, Kenny, don't go about giving us them.
0: <laughs> oh, um, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh And I have a website. Everything is just Kenneth Sims Jr. So it's at Kenneth Sims Jr. And the website is KennethSimsJr.com. And the link to watch the fight was going to be on the website. So if anybody wanted to go to the website to find the link for the fight, then they could do that.
2: Absolutely. Excellent, my friend. Well, listen, Kenny, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you. Good luck on Saturday. And thanks for your time. And we'll speak again, I'm sure, sometime in 2023. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, usually the news part, but there's nothing at the moment to to bring to you. If anything develops from now to the end of the show, I will mention it on the outro. So let's move straight to the preview part. We're going to start here with a card that takes place tomorrow night at the Centre Gervais Auto in Shaun. Schor, no, in Schoring, Schoeringen. Um, in Quebec, Canada, over here, uh, three fights to mention. We've got an IBO World Super Welterweight uh, title fight between two ladies. We've got Mary Spencer seven and O getting in with Femke Hermans thirteen and four. We've got Stephen Butler thirty one and three with a draw getting in with Joshua Conley who's seventeen and four with a draw. That's over ten rounds there for the NABF Middleweight title, and the main event. It's going to be an easy win here. But Arslanbek, Makhmadov, 15-0, and um, 14 KOs. Obviously, in his last fight, went a distance for the first time against Carlos Takam. A fight which I think Carlos Takam deserved to win. But anyway, he got the decision somehow. And um, yeah he gets in here with michael wallish who is 23 and 5 he's been knocked out in all five of those losses those losses were in good company to to be fair to the guy but yeah i mean Makhmadov's a massive puncher whatever you think of him technically is a, a different story but big big puncher and i expect him to kind of walk through wallish really who yeah you know i spoke about before he's been knocked out in in all of his losses within five rounds as well, so it's going to be early, I think, um, we've got losses to Efia Jag by round two, Christian Hammer round five, Tony Yoka round three, Joe Joyce round three, Murat Gassiev round four, he'll be going between rounds one and five, you default, um, That's it for that one. Moving out to this one, it takes place in Kazakhstan. It's really weird because when I was going through the boxing schedule this week, I clicked on this Kazakhstani card because I thought wouldn't it be weird if someone who was like a big name was randomly fighting in Kazakhstan. When I clicked it, Jarrell Big Baby Miller, friend of the show, 25-0 with a draw. God knows why he's fighting in Kazakhstan. It's a 10-rounder against Maximiliano Sosa who also doesn't sound one bit Kazakhstani. So, um, are they even. Is Kazakhstani even a word or is it just a Kazakh? I don't know. But, anyways, these guys are getting it on over 10 rounds in Kazakhstan and I have no idea why it's over there. I think Big Baby Miller was also uh, listed to fight in Tanzania about a month ago. That fight ended up not happening. I don't know what's going on with the guy. Moving out now to this one here at the Parc des Expositions. In Nantes in France over here, we've got Christian and Billy, uh, 22-0, getting in with Vaughn Alexander, the brother of Devon, 17-6, with a draw that's over 10 rounds there at middleweight. Uh, We also have the main event, Salomon Sissoko, 15-0 for the vacant WBC silver welterweight title against Talani and Bengay, I think from South Africa, 19-1. Who did he lose to? I remember him losing his O... I want, say, ooh, I want to say, oh, I want to say, God, I can't remember who he lost to, but he's got a couple decent wins. I remember him beating Miguel Vasquez Um, it actually got him out of there as well. Um, So that always stood out to me, but I, I don't know what his recent form has been like, Talani and Bengay, but I'd, I'd have thought Sissoko probably can win that fight, even though he wasn't that impressive, I think, last time out when he fought... I think it was Kieran Conway that you fought last time out, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, maybe that was a couple years ago. My brain's just gone. Um, moving out now, though, to this one here. And we like to bring you all the best and biggest fights. That's the fights that we talk about, the best and biggest of the week. But I feel like it would be real disrespectful if we didn't make a stop-off at the Firat Arslan Sports Centre in Germany. Because over here, Eddie... Who do you think's topping the bill in the Firat Arslan Sports Center? He better be fighting in the
1: damn main event. Of I mean, course I guess. he's.
2: Of course he's fighting in the main event. It's the <laughs> it's, it's the Firat Arslan show. He he he's 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 the promoter of the show. He owns the sports center and he's in the main event. We know. How, how how nice is that to have your own center that you can be the main event and you can promote?
1: That's a hell of a thing. That's a he's a triple threat, isn't he?
2: He's a triple threat, and he's 52 years of age, and we love <laughs> to see it happen. He's still yes, he's still fighting out of his southpaw stance. 52 wins, 9 losses, and 3 draws. He gets in with Jackson Santos, who's 22 and 14, who's no doubt been given the instruction that if you beat me, you don't get paid. Um, so, yeah, all the best to <laughs> Firat Arslan. Of course, I'm just messing with that. Yeah. But, what? Um, Did he say he didn't say that? I hope no, not. of course he didn't say that. Of course, <laughs> I'm just playing. But I'd love to see Firat Arslan pick up a win. And um, every time he fights, it just reminds me that Eddie has probably got a lot left in the tank. Because if Firat Arslan can do it at 52, you can do it, Eddie, at, at um, the ripe old age of 40... I 40. want to say 41. No, 40, okay. Oh, I'm, I'm almost, almost, but
1: not quite. I'm still... Still the
2: forty club. That's it. Okay. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Um, yeah. All the best to Big Fear at Arslan. Um, moving out now to the Bournemouth International Centre in Bournemouth, Dorset, United Kingdom. This one's going to be live on Sky. Um, yeah. I mean, the main, I'm going to talk about this guy because I think if he's not the main event, then he certainly should. Because it's his. Um, it's his fault. This fight's ended up in Bournemouth. It's it's for him, isn't it? Chris billum Smith. From Bournemouth, headlining in front of his hometown, um, 16-1 and in a 12-rounder here at Cruiserweight against Armand Zokhaj, who's 14-2. and Never heard of this guy, to be totally honest with you, but um, it's over 12 rounds, so I'm guessing it must be some kind of eliminator. It has to be, because why would they be fighting over 12 rounds for no belt? That doesn't make much sense, so I'm guessing it must be some kind of eliminator, but anyways... Um, this guy, Armand Zorkaj, um, like I say, 14 and two. Both losses. He was stopped. He was stopped by Matthias Masterneck back in August of. Sorry, not August. In uh, October of last year. That doesn't look too good. Uh, yeah, that's that's not great. This guy is not fantastic at all. Um, elsewhere on the card, we have probably. I should go to this one here. Caroline Dubois, sister of Daniel, now 4-0. 6-2 minutes against Sofia Rodriguez, who's 5-7. and seven. Uh, We also have Michael McKinson, Mikey McKinson, friend of the show, 22-1, and coming off that loss to uh, to Virgil Ortiz Jr. He gets in with Roberto Ariaza, who's 19-4. and That's over just six rounds there at welterweight. Roberto Ariaza, um, Quite a good opponent from what I've been hearing. Been in there with Igis Kavalowskis. Been in there with Sebastian uh, Formella. Uh, been in there with a few different guys. Cameron Crowell, Juan Ruiz. A um, couple of different guys. I've heard it's supposed to be quite a tough fight, really, for McKinson to come back to. But all the best to him. Uh, friend of the show, of course. Um, what else do we have? I think Vidal Riley gets in with Amin Boucheta. I um, And, oh yeah, I should mention this one as well, over eight rounds at lightweight. Corey Gibbs, I think he's from Wales, 17-0. He gets in with Jimmy First, who's 13-0. Somebody's oh must-go. And then, I'm not sure if it's the main event, but it should be the main event. Even though it's in Bournemouth and it's the Chris Billum-Smith show. It's a great fight, I think, here for the... British and Commonwealth light heavyweight titles. We've got Dan Aziz from Lewisham, 17-0 and in a 12-rounder against Rocky Fielding, former world champion, 30-2. and Still only got those two losses to Callum Smith and Canelo Alvarez, like two of the best fighters in the world. And it's just... Kind of impossible to know what he's got left because he hasn't really looked bad, but he hasn't stepped up to anywhere near that kind of level since losing to Canelo. So no one's really seen the best of him for about four years now. And it's just a case of what has he got left. And I think we're going to find out here against Dan Aziz, who I think is improving fight by fight. So I'm really looking forward to that fight on Saturday night. Moving out now to the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas in Nevada, USA. This one's going to be on Showtime. We're going to start with the undercard. We just spoke to him a few moments ago, our guest. Kenny Sims Jr., 18-2 um, with a draw. Gets in with Rock Murfel, who is 17-1. That's over eight rounds there at Super Lightweight. We also have Bakram Mutazaliev, who's 20-0, I think 15 KOs. He's an eight-rounder against Roberto Valenzuela Jr., who's 24-3. We also have Jose Uzcategui, former titleist, 32-4, getting in with Vladimir Shishkin, the undefeated fighter, 13-0. That's over 12 rounds at super middle and the main event Michelle Rivera who looks like a midget version of Muhammad Ali 24-0 in a 12 rounder against Frank Martin 16-0, somebody's L must go there, should be a decent card a few few decent fights on the undercard as well as the main event itself Um, okay that's it for that one, I have flown through this preview part really quickly, we're down to the final card to mention now and yeah this final card is happening next Wednesday actually so we will talk about the result on next week's show it's friend of the show Sulem Urbina of Mexico 13 and 2 with a draw she gets in with India Smith, who's five and six with two draws. That's over eight two-minute rounds there at Superflyway. All the best there to Salem. But anyway, that brings the preview part to a close. In part one, we did the review part. We welcomed our special guest, Kenny Sims Jr. In part two, there was no news, but we ran through the preview part. The final thing for me to do is to come in with the outro, which I'll do in just a few seconds. Okay, and this wraps up episode three hundred and seventy-four of the Box Hard podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A huge shout out to this week's special guest, the super lightweight contender, Mr. Kenny Sims Jr. The biggest thanks of all though goes out to you, the listeners. There has been one or two pieces of news break whilst we've been recording the show. We're going to see a world flyweight title fight on the undercard of Baturbi Ev Yard. We're going to see um, Artem Dalakian. Uh, defending his title against David Jimenez of Costa Rica. Again, the date for that, January 28th on BT Sport, of course. And in other news, it's a fight that's been announced for, they're talking about February, but there's no actual date fully penciled in yet. But we're going to see Adrian Broner return against Ivan Redcatch. That is about everything, though, from myself. Enjoy your weekends, people. Stay safe, and we shall see you all again next week.